conquer local. Come on, George, I'm happy to be here. I help leaders go from anxiety to authority under pressure. And then let's go and get it. It's an ecosystem. The hardest part here is going to be getting me to shut up on this one. Conquer Local with Vendasta, hosted by George Lee. This is the Conquer Local podcast, a show about billion-dollar sales leaders, marketers leading local economic growth, and entrepreneurs that have created their dream organizations. They want to share their secrets, giving you the distilled version of their extraordinary feats. Our hope is with the tangible takeaways from each episode, you can rewire, rework, and reimagine your business. I'm George Leith, and on this episode, we welcome Wayne Maloney. Wayne is an Australian business growth specialist with a global background spanning four decades. He's helped a diverse range of businesses in Australia, Asia, Europe to achieve their revenue and profit goals. Since leaving his corporate career, Wayne has spent over 15 years helping B2B organizations across the Asia Pac tackle their business growth challenges through the development and implementation of sound sales and business strategies, developing sales teams and applying lean principles for sustainable sales success. Wayne is the co-author of an award-winning, best-selling B2B sales novel, The Wentworth Prospect. Wayne is also the author of a second book entitled Your Roadmap to Achieving Sales Success. We'll dig into both of these books and see what Wayne is all about coming up next on the Conquer Local Podcast. Wayne Maloney joining us all the way from beautiful Sydney, Australia. And uh, Wayne, we always love talking to our friends down under. I know it's the middle of winter there right now, so we won't even get into the whole weather thing. Let's just talk about sales because I know it's one of your favorite subjects. Wayne, in the intro, I talked about your books, The Wentworth Prospect and your roadmap to achieving sales success. But let's talk about the book that you co-authored, which everything that we've researched looks like this is where it all started for Wayne Maloney when, when that global brand started getting built. Yeah, look, I, I had written uh, a couple of books, but I'd always wanted to write a book on strategic selling. And uh, I'm really looking to, you know, to forward to chatting with you about this, George, because I, I love the style of your uh, of your podcast. But uh, when we started looking at strategic selling, I've done a lot of work over the years with a good friend of mine, John Smybert. And um, John had developed a strategic selling uh, process and methodology uh, called Advance. And... Um, I saw that as being something that would make a great uh, a great book, and I approached John and said, "Look, let's let's do this. Let's get something out there on strategy." And he said, "Yeah, but why don't we write it as a novel?" And that sort of took me back a little bit at first because I'd never thought of writing the book as a novel myself. And um, John and I sat down over you know, probably numerous cups of coffee and we brainstormed this, and we thought that. If we write it as a novel, we can approach things and teach things a hell of a lot differently to what the traditional textbook handbook style of, uh, of sales book or sales manual, if you like, as, uh, as I like to refer to them. So um, we approached that and um, we started out and uh, we very quickly, George, realized that we might be damn good sales consultants, but we weren't great novelists. So uh, we had quite a few quite a few false starts on that. And it took us a little while to really get going. And yeah, that was where we worked into it. 
Well, Wayne, the, the minute that I was researching and, and getting up to speed on you after the team found you out there and, and brought you onto the radar, I, I was thinking about that novel approach. And, you know, the first the first thought came to my mind was Patrick Lencioni's Five Dysfunctions of a Team. You know, one of the most, the best business management books out there, but it's written as a, a fable and a novel. And then I started yeah. thinking about an episode that we have from about three years ago uh, with Carson Hetty from Microsoft, where he wrote the book Salesman on Fire. And, and I'm like, this is a brilliant concept because you can do a lot more than if you're, you're in a factual environment to paint out some of those stories in those scenarios exactly i uh when you mentioned that a good friend of ours tony Hughes, wrote a book called the joshua principle approached it very similarly in a similar manner uh but i go back to my engineering days and um i read a book uh through that period called the goal by a guy called eli goldratt and that was the same it was about lean manufacturing but it was written as a story and of course you know you've got the evergreen uh e-myth by michael gerber which has done the same way so the more we thought about it, the more we realized that we could do so much more by telling a story around a complex B2B sale than we could by just saying, here's the methodology. You know, you go step to step to step. We wanted to put a lot more into it than that, George. You know, if, if you would have told me 25 years ago or 30 years ago when I started in sales that, that I would be talking to former engineers um, in the sales business, you know, it just wasn't something that was considered back in the day but it, this you bring rigor to the conversation the, you know engineers are process and line it all up and you know sometimes salespeople are i don't know if you have this in australia but i've, I've been called a cowboy a few times and uh i don't ride a lot of horses now i used to but not anymore and it's that yeah. idea of you know cowboys just figure out a way to stay alive um and be cowboys and engineers in the sales business though is really changing the game. Are, are we aligned on that? Yeah, um, absolutely. Like I like probably I'd say 90% of salespeople, I didn't actually enter my career thinking I was going to be a salesperson. I went and studied engineering. Um, I was a trainee engineer and uh, really through fate, I ended up into or leaving engineering. I had a, a disagreement as a, as a young, I guess, rather brash and cocky guy in my, uh, in my youth. Um, and had a disagreement with the managing director of the, the owner of the small company I was with. And he suggested it might be better if I found a, a different career path. And uh, I've been forever thankful for that. And uh, through a good friend of mine, um, his dad introduced me to sales. And um, that was it. That was where it started. And I, I guess, you know, my cockiness went through to being insisting on being called a sales engineer in my early days, because back then I still didn't have, I guess, the respect for salespeople that I've got now. And uh, I very quickly learned that it's a great career. And, uh, you know, if you approach it the right way, I applied my engineering skills and, um, you know, I've applied that right through. I learned lean process and, and lean manufacturing. And I very quickly learned that that could be applied into sales. And I've done that right throughout my career. Well, I have a question around that is when we bring folks on like you that have been you know, had a great career and you've built a, a hell of a business and you've worked with organizations. H how did you go through that journey where you moved up, you worked globally in a few continents helping businesses and, and how did you really dial in this formula for helping B2B organizations achieve business growth? Yeah, that, that's a, a good question, George. I mentioned lean and, um, 
I, I actually started applying lean into all areas of business, whether it was in my sales career or whether it was in my general management, managing director uh, career in, uh, in business. I always had a, a business development focus. But if you look at lean, there's three basic principles to lean. It's adding value, it's reducing waste, and it's continual improvement. And when I sat back and started to look at how I was approaching selling, I was actually doing exactly that. I was always looking at the outcome for the client, that just because of my background in engineering, I always look for a positive outcome. Um, reducing waste became fairly obvious. And then that continual improvement, that continual review of how I approach something. And these days it's referred to as win-loss reviews, but I always looked at the end of a of sales process or a sales uh, I was going through with a client or a prospect and analyzed that at the end and then said, how could I improve that? And I've applied that to businesses I've run, to sales teams I've run. So I've always taken that, that approach of process um, adding value at, at each step of the way. And one of the things that, that used to amuse me, you know, I'd get, even in my positions in management, I would get calls from salespeople saying, oh, I'm just checking in. Well, you know, what was the purpose of that call? Where was there any value being added? All they were doing was wasting my time because they didn't have a process and it didn't have a purpose for that call. So that was, that was my approach right throughout my 40 plus years of, of sales and business management is always taking that lean approach. And uh, I've done that to every business I've worked with. And it's really interesting that when you apply a process, I, I remember I took over a company in Hong Kong. And when I went in there as the, as the uh, managing director, I inherited a, a, a pipeline of 200% of target, which obviously I was quite excited about. Until I sat down with each of the people and said, okay, how did you qualify these? Every person had a different way of qualifying. So I put forward the approach that I take um, in qualifying, had them all go back out and re-qualify, and we dropped down to 80% of target. What then happened is we closed 90% of 80%, and we then never missed target again for the rest of the time I was with that organisation because we had a, a uniform collaborative approach to qualification that was all about value and it was all about getting rid of the waste. And the waste in that pipeline was opportunities that weren't real. So we worked through that. And um, that's, it's pretty simple, George. You know, it's, it's a matter of just doing the right thing by the client and getting focus on your approach. Well, and, you know, having, I'm sure you had some sort of a rubric that you put in place and you continue to iterate on it to get it right and uh, maybe take the, uh, the guesswork out of building out a pipeline, and I'm sure those were three of the items. One thing I wanted to ask about, and I'm fascinated by these two components, the advocates and the change agents, and you call these archetypes. I'd love yeah. to have you educate me on this because I, I think there's something here that I can learn a lot about. Okay, look, I, I just on writing the book, I failed to mention one guy that was really important, a guy called Jeff Clulo. He's our, the third author, if you like, and he's the... Jeff's been a, a good friend of mine for many years, guy I've, I've ridden motorcycles with and, uh, and had a great deal of fun with. And he comes out of an advertising and copywriting background. And he's, a, he's a, a very good novelist. So we engaged, when John and I found out that we weren't, we engaged him and we brought him in. And we started in writing the book, looking at the politics, the, the personalities, 
and what happens that you can't directly control. And we realized that you could actually break these down. If you go back to Carl Jung, he broke down 12 archetypes uh, or defined 12 archetypes from a psychological perspective. That was too many. So we looked at it and we broke it down to six types of people that we believed you could encounter in a sale. And we put those into two groups. We put them into um, those that we saw as our our change agents, mm-hmm. those people that had the power, the politics, to be able to influence a change within their organisation. And we then looked at um, advocates. And advocates were people that, that could be helpful or, in fact, against you in a sale, but all of those people we needed to look at. In the change agents, we had the inquisitor, and that was the person that focused on interrogating your proposal. I think we've all come across them. You know, quite often they're the financial controller. We looked at the sage. The sage was the person that was was powerful in being able to communicate within the organisation, uh, and they would would communicate ideas. And then we had the champion, and the champion was the person that every salesperson had to go to. They had the they were interested in getting the job done. They had the power, they had the influence, and they were able to bring people together to be able to get decisions made and things happening. On the other hand, the 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 um, advocates that we spoke about, we had the mercenary, and that was the person that was only interested in things for their own purpose. And we had the accomplice, and the accomplice is someone that might be able to help you but doesn't have that power. And we had the messenger. And the messenger was the person that probably does the most of the gossiping around the water cooler or the coffee machine. And each of those people are important in developing a complex sale. You need to get to your champion, but it's how do you utilize or minimize the influence on the others that are uh, that are involved in it. And that's why that's why writing a story was so powerful, because we could actually bring out each of those personalities and we could bring out how Sue, our champion, our hero, sorry, our hero in the book was able to work with her team to build the relationships with the change agents and also utilize the messenger and the accomplice, but minimize the impact of the mercenary and those that were against her in the sale. You know what the, the I'm just sitting here because I'm, I'm working on a deal right now with some of our team and every one of those archetypes were in a boardroom yesterday that I was in a meeting with. And, yeah. and what, you know, one of the things that, that we've been working on recently on these complex sales and I, and I, you talk about it as well in the book is having a map and mapping yep. those folks out and starting to really understand their org chart on their yeah. side, who's in the team, who are the people, because you're right. Like one of those individuals could scuttle the entire deal. If down the road, you're, you know, you're just about to get the proof of concept across the line. Now we're going to ink the deal and we forget about that mercenary that's been lurking in the background, just trying to figure out a way to get rid of this thing because it doesn't serve their purpose. Absolutely. You're, you're absolutely spot on. We talk about people mapping and identifying on a, we, we just build a, a simple quadrant um, along the horizontal, we have relationship and on the vertical, we have influence. So in the bottom left-hand corner, you've got low relationship, low influence. If you've got people there that have got a low influence, you're not really focused on moving, improving the relationship. But the objective is with the, the most important people, the champions and the and the change agents, is to move them into that top right-hand quadrant where 
you know they've got high influence, but you then need to build a high, strong relationship. And, you know, it's it's cliched, but it's a rela- that relationship of trust and respect, and you need to move up there. And that person needs to help you build a collaborative environment within the organisation. And, you know, collaboration doesn't mean that everyone gets what they want, but, you know, to have a collaborative uh, relationship, it means that everyone can accept the final decision. So, you know, not necessarily everyone getting 100%, but everyone getting a decision that they're comfortable that they can live with going forward. I I find it fascinating that applying lean principles, and I I thought lean was what I was uh, aspiring to do when I was losing weight years ago. Not (laughs) the way that you, you know, being a salesperson, I was never exposed to it. And then I end up at a software company. And yeah. we had a lot of people that, that have that discipline and, and have studied on it. And so I've been, I've been exposed to it, but I, I find that it's just fascinating when I speak to sales uh, experts like yourself that came from the engineering space, you know, Mark Robert is one of the more famous ones uh, yeah. on his sales acceleration formula. And, you know, and then he's got the HubSpot brand behind him where, you know, everybody knows how well that went, but just by yeah. applying some of those components. In fact, we, we had uh, Mark just recently here at our Conquer Local Connect, and we've had him as an alumni, as a guest on the show. And and your your book, like I, the Wentworth Project, should be required reading by every salesperson. I, I'm just telling you right you know, now. Yeah, well, I, I appreciate that. And in the by the same token, I believe that things like uh, Michael Gerber's E Myth should be essential reading to anyone going out and starting their own business. Um, you know, the the Eli Goldratt's the goal. Um, it just goes across so many areas of business. And that's one of the things that I've always worked at is being able to get collaboration between departments in organizations or companies that I've run. And, you know, books like that just help so much. And the other thing is it gets people reading um, a novel because the novel in itself is enjoyable. You know, it may not be a, a bestseller like uh, you know, Brown or uh, Follett or any of those guys, but it's an enjoyable read and that gets people who don't normally sit down and read textbooks or handbooks get involved. No, I 100% agree. And the other thing that I like is sometimes it's not all the time and I'm sure, I'm sure we're going to be like-minded on this, but sometimes the audio book, if the, if the author is actually good at, at reading and good at articulating the story, those can be very, very fascinating as well. So let, let's talk about your second book, the roadmap to achieving sales success. Um, yeah. You wrote that thing back in 2018. If you could rewrite it, is there anything you missed <laughs> out in, in the book? I, I love asking that question of authors. Yeah, look, I wrote that book more for, I, I had so much information on sales that I just wanted to document it. And as I was doing that, I thought, okay, there's a book here. But one of the things that really frustrates me in sales, George, is everyone looking for that silver bullet. You know, if you go onto LinkedIn and, you know, we talk about the snake oil salesman back in, you know, in the, in the twenties and that, and we've got snake oil salesmen on LinkedIn now saying, you know, do this and you don't have to do anything else. You're going to close the deal. Um, You know, I'm calling BS on that one. People are forgetting the fundamentals of sales. And I wrote that book to take people back to all of the fundamentals that still work Yep, take new technology and adopt it and adapt it to how you sell. But that's what I would do different. I would spend a little bit more time in there on talking about how to adopt and adapt the technology without missing the fundamentals. 
And the other thing that I would really include now, and especially after I've you know, been involved in writing the Wentworth Prospect, is I'd include a, a, a chapter on storytelling, you know, a once upon a time chapter, because I look back over my career and, you know, storytelling's the new black in sales. You know, you looked on LinkedIn and everyone's talking about storytelling. But I've been doing, you know, I've, I've been talking about stories and using those anecdotes right throughout my career. And I would have a chapter in there on storytelling, definitely. And even on the technology side, getting salespeople whose companies don't have the technology to make sure they look for technology that will help them as an individual. And that may be even as simple as a, as a free CRM that they could use themselves. But I definitely start to, so I guess the answer is technology and storytelling are the two areas I'd, I'd include now. Well, and I, I agree 100%, but I want to interrogate something that you said there because I, I think there's a bigger discussion here. Um, I'm reading a lot and I'm feeling a lot <laughs> when I work with organizations that yeah. the, that, that a new skill set, if they don't have it today, and that is the ability to adapt and the ability to yeah. learn. And and if, if you're dealing with an organization where they've never, they've been doing the same thing forever, they've never had to adapt, they've never had to learn new things, it's like a Frickin' brick wall. You, you, I'm sure you've ran into that. Oh, uh, look, I'm working with a with a client at the moment, and it's more on a general management than sales side of things. And the resistance to change in the organisation is killing it at the moment. And in fact, I sat down and I, I had a serious meeting with the managing director owner of the business yesterday, and said, "Look, unless we can get, unless you're prepared to make some really hard decisions here, which may mean." some collateral damage among the people that have been with you for a while, you're not going to change the business, you know, um, old ways don't open new doors. So uh, you've got to, you've got to make changes and you've got to adapt. And, you know, I was only reading yesterday on LinkedIn, a friend of mine uh, wrote about seeing a, uh, a survey where 80% of people responded that they like change. Um, I've never seen that sort of stat before. People do not like change. And you and that's when I was talking about collaboration. You know, you need to get consensus as you build collaboration. And that consensus, as I said, is not about 100% agreement, but living with something that you're able to, uh, you know, to accept. Well, and, and the reason that they're answering 80% on adaptability is that they've read that, you know, IQ, yeah, you got you to gotta have an IQ. EQ, you got to be a human and have some understand emotion. But adaptability quotient is now something that people are measuring for in that scorecard as well. So it's, you know, you're smart enough. Uh, do you understand people enough because we're in the people business? And then let's measure you on how good you are at adapting. And now we'll get rid of that fake news on the 80%. Yeah. And, and, you know, like any survey, it all depends. You know, you, you ask a question and the, you know, the, the answer is always, it all depends um, because you can't go in and, and put all of the situation around it. And, uh, you know, I think I actually referred to collaboration when I meant consensus earlier as well, but uh, you know, that, that's it. You've got to get that consensus and, you know, a good manager understands how to build consensus within an organization and that's be it a sales manager uh, be it a project manager on a sales team, the sales leader, you've got to build consensus around that. And um, that's the only way to do it. And and people need to learn to adapt. And it's really difficult, George. It's something that, 
especially people that have been within an organization for a long time. I look at startups and I've been involved in a number of them over the years. Uh, the people that are there when the company starts, the people you need for that startup are not going to be the people you need to take it through the seven stages, as I define it, of, uh, of success of an organization. No, 100%. And uh, we appreciate all, you sharing all of this with us, Wayne. If uh, people want to learn more about you and your organization and the books, I'm sure there's a portal there that we can get more Wayne Maloney. Yeah, look, there's uh, waynemaloney.com, and that's M-O-L-O-N-E-Y. Um, we've got the um, the books backed by a, a website, which goes into the more in-depth of the process and methodology that we use. Uh, and that's advance, E-D-V-A-N-C-E dot sale. And of course, LinkedIn, George, is, uh, you know, as long as people back it up with a bit of an intro when they uh, ask me to, to connect with them, um, I will definitely do that and engage with them. But if I just get one of these random ones, unfortunately, there's so many coming through. Very, very few of them get a response, mate. Come on, Wayne. I love those where it's <laughs> like, hey, how are you doing? I want to connect with you. And the very next thing is buy my shit. Yeah, I know. I got one yesterday from some guy saying he heard me on a podcast that I'd never heard of. <laughs> well, maybe at some point you did a podcast one day with that phone. Yeah. Maybe it's a deep fake, Wayne. It could be a deep fake. Well, yeah. Wayne, I appreciate you joining us. And, and uh, you know, there's there's a lot there in this episode. There's a lot in the books. I'm a big fan and uh, it's it's great having you on the show and, uh, and appreciate all of the, the knowledge bombs that you were dropping in the last 20 minutes or so. Thanks for doing that. Thanks, George. Been a pleasure, mate. Looking forward to, uh, to hearing this and more of your great podcasts. Have a great day. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Cheers. What a great episode from Wayne. And it's, uh, I always love learning when it comes to improving the way that we can build sales organizations and better communicate with customers. Here's your takeaway. I think you already know what I'm going to talk about. The archetypes. I had to friggin' Google it to make sure that I was ready for the episode. But here's what we're looking at. Six type of people that you could encounter in sales. And then they've divided them into two groups. And God, it's simple, but I just love it when we get a formula like this that's simple because we can start working immediately with it. We've got the change agents and you've got the inquisitor who is the person that asks a lot of questions, usually has a spreadsheet somewhere around them at any one point in time, very detail oriented. Then you have this concept of a sage and the sage, we need to look for the sage. They're the communicator. They're the person that can influence in the organization. And they usually have their fingers in a lot of different pies. Sage, very important. The champion, they're the one that's running around saying, we need to do this. Or they might sometimes be the person that says, we're not doing it because I'm the champion and I know what I want to do. So you, you need to find that champion and you need to keep them on side. Then the advocates, and they're either with you or they're the reason you're not getting the commission check. The mercenary, it's all about me. Just ask me. The accomplice, I'm working with the mercenary. So it's all about the mercenary and I'm helping them. And then the messenger. So all three of these, actually mercenary, I don't mind them because if I can get them on side, they're going to be sneaky and they're going to run around and figure out ways to get the deal done. So mercenary can actually be a positive thing too. The accomplice piece they're in there building that consensus, really important piece. And then the messenger, 
Well, they're not just gossiping around the water cooler. They're whispering in all sorts of people's different ears. And they're saying, I think that's a really good idea if they happen to be in the meeting or they happen to be involved. These archetypes, you know, when I was listening to Wayne explain them to me, when I've done the previous research in the book, I'm just like, this stuff is brilliant. When you start thinking about that level of influence that they might have and how connected you are to them in the relationship that you have with either the prospect or the customer. That is your key takeaway, although there were a plethora of items that you could take and put to use from this episode. So thanks to Wayne Maloney for joining us. If you liked Wayne's episode, discussing achieving success in sales. Let's continue the conversation. Check out these two episodes. 231, The Man Who Eats, Lives, and Breathes Sales. I was mentioning it earlier in the podcast. Carson Hetty from Microsoft. What a great episode that was. Go back and have a listen to that. Or episode 521 from season five, The Future of Customer Experience with Stephen Van Bellingham. Please subscribe and leave us a review. And thanks for joining us this week on the Conquer Local Podcast. My name is George Leith. I'll see you when I see you. You've been listening to the Conquer Local Podcast presented by Vendasta. Tune in next week for a new episode. Guest discovery and produced by Sullivan Adam. Marketing by Rory Lawford, Nicole Lozon, and Sullivan Adam. Executive producers, Brendan King, George Leith, and Sullivan Adam. Recorded at Vendasta headquarters on the Canadian prairies.